KNC Masterpiece back here on 105 Through the Fan right now. Brought to you by Ford, built for Texas, built for you. It is Dallas Cowboys Executive Vice President Stephen Jones. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. I'm hoping, I, I know Monday morning, it's always tough to say, but do you guys get the sense that health-wise, how did the Cowboys come through that game and how is Deron Bland looking? I think we came through the uh, game health-wise pretty good. Um, I think uh, we're going to be just fine. And, uh, you know, the good news is we'll be getting some more players back. So, you know, overall, as we head into the playoffs here, uh, you know, we feel uh, health is not an issue. Well, and since you just referenced that, I was curious. I feel like, or I guess I hope as a Cowboys fan, is that in allusion to Biotish, Hankins, and LVE is the hope or anticipation that all three will be ready for Tampa Bay? That's our hope right now. I mean, you never know once you get them out there practicing, uh, you know, if you have a setback or something. But right now, uh, I think in general, uh, our trainers feel very good about uh, where they've progressed to up to this point and ready for them to work back into practice this week and uh, get ready to go play the Buccaneers. Steven, I'm not going to lie. After that game last night, it felt pretty gross. And I, I had to go take a shower and clean that off real quick. And I was kind of curious – how do you how do you cleanse yourself after one of those kind of nights? Well, I mean, it's obviously very disappointing, uh, you know, the way we played the game, and we're certainly not going to uh, have any success uh, against anything if uh, if we play like that. My hat is off to the Redskins. Uh, they came out ready to play. Uh, they do have very talented defense, and uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're gonna that's what we're gonna see in the playoffs. You're gonna see really good defenses, really good offenses, and. Uh, you know, we've, I don't know, uh, you know, what was exactly, you know, we've got to put our finger on it. But, uh, you know, we've got to move forward. We're, you know, we're better than that. And I uh, know we can play better than that. And uh, uh, we just have to uh, put that behind us and uh, get ready to play the Buccaneers. Well, and that, that is interesting that you said you can't put your finger on it because Jaron Kerr said the same thing last night after the game that they're not playing, we're not playing our best ball. And I don't know why. And that, kind of concerns me does that concern you a little bit that he he can't figure out why they aren't playing their best no I think well I, I just think uh you know at the end of the day Michael get this team ready uh I think this is a good wake-up call uh for our team uh you know in terms of uh knowing hey we've got to put uh all the work uh in uh during the week to have success uh on day of game and uh you know I'm just convicted we've got a good group of guys uh you know who do I know uh, what this means to them? I know all the work they put in uh, to this season. Uh, you know, uh, most teams, uh, you know, when you go through the course of a season, have a game like this. Obviously, by far, uh, you know, our, 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 our toughest, worst game, if you will, in terms of a, a, a defeat. But, uh, you know, we just have to bounce back. One good thing about this team is we've bounced back after, after every loss. And uh, I think the guys will do the same thing again. We've got great leadership on this team, starting with Dak. Uh, you know, we've got a great coaching staff uh, with Mike and, and Kellen and Dan and Bones. And, uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, I'm just convicted uh, that we'll go out there and we'll uh, do the work and uh, get prepared the right way and uh, that we'll, have, uh, uh, we'll bounce back and, and have success. Steven? The run game hasn't been its best lately. What gives you optimism that the running game can get back on track in the playoffs? 
Well, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that will be helpful is uh, getting Biotic back. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, getting him back will be a big deal. And, uh, uh, you know, he's the quarterback of that offensive line. I think things just go a little smoother. Not that Connor doesn't do a nice job in there, but it's not where he's played most of the time. I think to get him back, uh, to get our starting center back in the middle of that offensive line uh, is going to go a long ways toward uh, – Helping that, I think it coincides with uh, the games that he's missed uh, in terms of our, our struggles. I like our conviction to run the ball. Uh, I just think we've got to be more productive doing it, and, and I think we can. Is there, and that all makes sense to me, I was kind of curious, is there any concern that it also coincides with the injury loss of Terrence Steele, and maybe that is the explanation for some of the running struggles as well? Well, I just think uh, our guys are going to get the job done. I think Tyron's one of the best in the business. Uh, he's getting acclimated over there. But, uh, you know, I, I just think we get the group, uh, uh, get guys back in their places. Uh, uh, I think it'll be a big plus uh, as we move forward and convicted that we'll do the things that we need to do in practice this week, uh, you know, to get the ball rolling again. I mean, obviously going into that game, uh, you know, I've seen uh, statistics where we're the number one scoring offense. Uh, in the league uh, before this game over the last eight games. So, you know, I, I don't think you let one game ever define you. I know this team won't do it. And uh, as I said, they've bounced back after every loss uh, that we've had this year and bounced back in a positive way, and I fully expect that this time. I, I was just curious, since you did bring up that statistic, is some of that, some of those points are at least built in via defensive points or defensive turnovers. How important is it for the defense to turn the ball over to get the offense going? I think that's always important. I mean, that's a big part of most teams. I mean, anytime you lose that turnover battle in the NFL, there's a good chance you're going to lose the game. Uh, we certainly lost it last night. We shot ourselves in the foot. We were bad and off. No, we weren't very good in any phase. Uh, obviously, special teams. Uh, you know, having the two turnovers there, uh, you know, was a big negative. Uh, we lost the turnover battle. Uh, you know, I think anytime uh, you create turnovers and you win the turnover battle, you give yourself a much better chance to win the game. Stephen Jones joins us here on the KNC Masterpiece on 105.3 The Fan, as he does every Monday. Stephen, the, before the season, we were in Oxnard, and I remember asking you about, you know, the money, and Kevin had a very good question about, the money that Amari Cooper had left over and what your plans were. And we discussed the potential of adding a, a wide receiver that that was something you thought, Hey, veteran wide receiver is going to still be important. Have you, have you fi finished that? Is that done this, this season? Are you, are you done with the, the veteran wide receiver? Do you think you found the answer opposite CD lamb? Well, we act, uh, you know, obviously Michael's had some really good games this year. Gallup has, and then he's had some quiet games and I think TY has come in here and done some good things. He had a, you know, part of our problem last night were some drops, and he had a few himself. Uh, but, uh, you know, I fully expect a veteran like him to bounce back and, and make the catches. He made some great catches last night, and overall he's been very productive for us. And I fully expect Michael to play well. And obviously CD's had one of the best seasons of uh, any wide out in the NFL. So, like I said, we're not going to let one game define us. It's real easy to take a game like this and uh, – you know, and really uh, uh, give a, a good critical uh, look uh, at anything. I mean, we just didn't play well, uh, really, in any phase, uh, if you really want to go to it. And uh, we have to be better if we want to have success in the playoffs.
Since you brought up CeeDee Lamb, I, I think we all agree he has had a phenomenal season. And I know there are ebbs and flows throughout a game, and obviously you do not call the plays or anything like that. But CeeDee Lamb didn't get targeted until the team's fifth drive. Were you surprised by that? And I'm assuming that can't happen in the playoffs. Well, like I said, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, between uh, Mike and Kellen and Dak, uh, you know, in our in the reads and what they're given uh, in any given game uh, can dictate that. And they're probably the better, you know, better people to ask about, uh, you know, when, when balls ultimately start going to certain players. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, CD's a big part of our offense. Uh, certainly when he has success, the offense has success. And uh, certainly the more times we can get him with his hands on the ball, uh, he has more chances to make big plays, which he's very capable of doing. So, um, certainly, uh, certain uh, Mike and and Dak and Kellen uh, can answer those questions better. But uh, I do know this: I do know uh, we go into most games wanting to give uh, CD his share of opportunities. Stephen, on the defensive side, do you believe Van Der Esch and Hankins will be ready for Monday night? He said he thinks okay. so. Okay. Yes. And then at this point, we feel good about it. When it comes to Tom Brady, obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but he can't run. And Tampa Bay really struggles to run the ball throughout this season. Do you feel like that at least helps you guys out matchup-wise? Well, you don't want to take anything for granted. Uh, Anytime you're playing playoff football, everybody picks it up a notch. Uh, You're playing one of the greatest quarterbacks, probably the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Uh, Certainly is a hardware uh, player. has skins on the walls to prove it. Uh, you know, he's going to be a challenge. They're going to be a challenge. Uh, we're going to have to play our best football if we want to go beat Tampa in Tampa. Steven, we saw the report this morning that Dan Quinn, uh, the, the Broncos requested permission to talk to him. Are you guys willingly letting him do this? And then on top of that, like, you, how does he balance, you know, staying focused here with also that on his plate? Well, Dan's the ultimate pro, and of course, uh, NFL rules prohibit you from allowing any assistant coach to interview. It's more of a notice than it is a, a permission uh, slip. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way the rules are uh, now, uh, the way the rules are in the NFL now, uh, any assistant coach uh, can interview for a head coaching job. Obviously, there's some protocols that are in place from a competitive standpoint that allows Dan to continue to do his job. Uh, at a high level uh, for us, uh, but also give him the opportunity if he so chooses uh, to take an opportunity uh, with another team uh, in terms of an interview. Do you like the idea of the Tampa game being next Monday because you get an extra day to prep, but obviously the flip side could be how it looks if you make it to the divisional round? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're comfortable. I mean, uh, the schedule is what it is. I mean, we're we get to play on Monday night. Uh, it'll be a great audience. It'll be a great. Uh, uh, we're playing against uh, you know a great, ta- a really good uh, Tampa team, uh, coached by I mean uh, quarterback by the uh, greatest player to play the game probably. And uh, you relish that opportunity. It'll be a challenge, and we look forward to it. Last night, Jason Garrett said the Cowboys struggle defensively on grass. Can you talk about how much faster guys can play on turf rather than on grass? You know, I, you know there's all schools of thought. And uh, at the end of the day, you play the game where it's scheduled to be played. And we've got to go out and play our best football uh, to win a football game. And, 
uh, I don't think the guys get, let it get into their head uh, as to whether it's on grass or turf. Uh, uh, I just think you, you suit them up, you put on your cleats, and you go play football. And, Stephen, I'm t- t- trying to figure out how the cornerback position opposite Diggs gets, uh, gets kind of figured out this week. I mean, you, you add Xavier Rhodes, but you also have some other options there. Is it kind of we just got to watch all these guys in practice? What's the best option here? No, I think uh, Dan's been getting his hands around that. He wanted to see some things last night, and uh, I think he's starting to get a feel uh, in his mind how he wants to play our corners. And uh, I think we'll have a good uh, rotation there in terms of uh, uh, how we want to play, you know, our top three corners, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, excellent. Appreciate it very much, good sir. We're all looking forward to the playoffs and hopefully talking with you next week, getting ready for the division round. Sounds great, guys. Great being on with you. There you go, Stephen Jones right here on 105.3 The Fan. I think one of the things is, you know, is something I I think about, Mike, that you – brought up is when we talk about breaking down that game you talked about like where they see the team versus where the rest of us see the team and you know we had conversations with him last last week and the week before that about it doesn't just feel like it's one game it feels like there's been a couple of games like the Houston game the Jacksonville game that jumped to mind that are troublesome when combined with last night's game Mike you've said this many times before uh, a manager in baseball can only have the, hey, uh, the come to Jesus meeting maybe once a year. Uh, if you've done it twice, man, it better be late, You're good. You're late good. in the season. You're good. Once a, once a half. Yeah. And, and I am like Stephen Jones. It does him no good to come on here and go, man, this guy was miserable last night uh, all season long. But I do wonder if there is a point where you just go, you know what? Now's the time. I do need to – some people need need that call. And, he, you know, there have been moments where they said, hey, CeeDee Lamb needs to do this. You know, they, yeah. there have been a couple of moments this year. But for the most part, it's been just keep the hand on the wheel, keep it steady, don't move the boat too much because if we do, we don't know how fragile these guys could be. You know, yeah. that, and that's the way that it feels like they treat them with it, that, like they're very fragile. And it seems like there should be a moment where you're like, not good enough, man. These guys got to respond. I wonder this, and we're not in the room, and we don't. And Bobby gets great information. Broadus gets great information. We try to relay that information, but what we don't know is during the Houston film session. And I don't think that you need to yell at the guys after a win, but you might say, "Hey, you know, you're going to get your ass kicked in this league if you play like that." And I don't know if McCarthy, if Kellen Moore, if if Dan Quinn, throughout this kind of four games or so went over the film on Mondays and said, guys, I'm glad we won, and there are positives to look at, but these are bad negatives. These aren't just like, hey, everybody has bad plays. Like, you guys are playing like butt at times, and you're going to get destroyed here uh, if you guys keep doing this. I definitely want to ask Broadus about something he tweeted out and kind of went back and forth with a few people was the idea that when they kept asking on the TV broadcast, why are the starters still out there? Why are the starters still out there? Is Broadus seemed to either insinuate or flat out say, oh, no, they're out there for a reason. Like, this is a message is you don't just get to – I don't know if the message was you don't get to bail. You don't get a free day off. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're not doing what it takes to be ready for that day off. Yes. You know, if you wanted the day off, we should be up by 40 right now. Uh, otherwise, you know, get back out there. Y'all have stuff to fix. 
with the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan. Coming up next, as we jump into the lunch rush as part of the expressway, we will do some Mike Likes It, but also Super Bowl MVP and perhaps today, more importantly, TCU alum Larry Brown joins the show. Let's talk about that national championship game next. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan and... We might flip things around just a little bit. We're going to talk with Larry Brown, Super Bowl MVP, and maybe most importantly today, TCU alum going into the national championship game against Georgia. But first, we'll do some Mike Likes It. Okay, so in Mike Likes It, this is from ESPN's Bill Barnwell. Hopefully, Larry Brown joins us soon, but I have the top three candidates at each major spot, and you guys tell me who should win the award. Okay. The first the first award they have here for ESPN is the NFL Coach of the Year. Your three candidates are Kyle Shanahan, Nick Jondis Sirianni, and <laughs> so Doug rude. Peterson. So, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, and Kyle Shanahan, who is your Coach of the Year? Do you think it was going to be Brian Dable until he waved the white flag yesterday and he was like, I'm not going to try? Uh, I'm going to say, look, if you're on your third quarterback and you go 13 and four and end the season with 10 straight wins, I'm going to go Shanahan. Great. Where's my Dougie Fresh love? Corey, Doug Peterson, Nick Sirianni, Kyle Shanahan. job. Who is the NFL coach of the year? Those Man, are the three candidates. I'll, I'll tell you this: Doug Peterson's a hell of a coach. Like just to see what they were last year, what they started as this year, what they finished as—completely different teams. But Shanahan. Shanahan's my pick. Man. Well, I'll tell you what. You two Nimrods got it completely and totally right. They okay. did pick Kyle Shanahan as NFL Was coach Peterson of the year. second? They actually had Nick Sirianni second, and yeah, then they had Doug Peterson third. It. So, Jaundice comes in second again. <laughs> Comeback <laughs> player of the yeah. year. Ho, Reggie, Reggie, <sighs> Reggie. Oh, now I know the answer for sure. This be- is the year. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Brian all right, your three candidates. Puts it all together. Well, Gino now I Smith, know who's going to win. Saquon Barkley. <laughs> or traded San Francisco 49er Christian McCaffrey. Those are your three top candidates for comeback player of the year. Corey, I think we're in agreement. It should have been Brian, Brian Robinson. Robinson. I realize that. Well, he's I, not on the list. I will say, based on how y'all started this, that it's going to be say Gino right. Smith. Say right. Oh, that... Geno Smith has put it all together Thank and will you. win Comeback Player of the Year. Corey? Geno Smith? Just when I think you guys couldn't get any dumber, you totally redeem yourself <laughs> and pick Cyril Smith. Geno Smith <laughs> as Bill Barnwell's Comeback Player of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver. Chris Alave, wide receiver. And Tyler Aguirre, running back, Algiers, Algiers. <laughs> running back, Falcons. I loved watching him all year. <laughs> I'm say I don't think I watched one Falcon snap all year. I can't even remember watching a snap of the Falcons. That's play called self care. <laughs> I'm going to say Garrett Wilson is my guy. I like it with the Jets. Finally, you guys get one completely and totally wrong. It is Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints. 
You guys are two for three. Okay. Okay, so they have Chris Olave. We'll see what happens. I do think that's very close. Oh, yeah. I was just – some people brought this up at the Fantex. No love for Dan Campbell in I'm, Coach of the Year. I I'm, do think he's done a heck of a job. I didn't make the list. This is Bill Barnwell. What okay. happened to Brian Daly? Yes, okay. PN. Defensive quit. Rookie Dave. of the Year, Aiden Hutchinson of the Lions. Tariq Woolen, cornerback, Seahawks, and Sauce Gardner of the New York Jets, otherwise known as, I forget his real name. It's Ahmed, right? Ahmed, yeah. I actually pulled one of his cards, and I was like, who's this Ahmed? Because that was number 10, and I was like, oh, Sauce! And you go, is that who that is? Because I was freaking out, and Mike's like, well, this is a trash card. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is no, a really You could have taken it for cheap. They must have drafted two Gardners on this team, one Ahmad and one Sauce. A Sauce Gardner. Um, By the way, Nick Cannon named his kids different names. My my wife showed so. me something. Well, they're they're we, they're like just like ne- they're they're things. What Nick Are Cannon? You I know go, who Nick Cannon is. What are you saying? Go look at Nick Cannon, and he's had thirteen kids. Unfortunately, one of them passed away at a very early age. But when you look at their names, their things, they're like. Things. Mm-hmm. Can you not yeah, think sure. of a thing? I forget their like names. Like a sofa or fridge cannon. Yeah. Oh, like objects. Yeah, yeah, they're objects. Got you. Things. Sure. My wife showed me a meme, and it was where they put all the strollers at Disney World, and they're like, hey, Nick Cannon's here. Like, if you're playing the pyramid game, you could be like, Nick Cannon's kids' names. Okay. And you wouldn't ever think yeah. of a name. You would have to think of a thing or an object. All right, so who's what you was guys, your question? You guys pick Sauce Gardner. You guys win. Okay. Nobody's gonna pick I honestly could not remember what your question was. That that was an object failure right there. Ooh, got him. Okay, I didn't hear what you said. Oh. This isn't an award, but they said it should be best offensive lineman of the year. This I mean, is, it was Terrence Steele for a while. This is the only thing the Cowboys won. On this list. The only cowboy that was actually on this whole oh, list. Is it well, Zach Martin then? It is Zach Martin. Actually, there's a cowboy on the list earlier in, in a second here. Best individual <laughs> performance of the season. They have Minka Fitzpatrick versus the Bengals in week one. Is biggest, that the one where Joe Burrow turned the ball over like four times yeah. and a half? Biggest upset of the season. The Panthers over the Buccaneers in week seven, 21 to three. The catch of the season, Justin Jefferson against the Bills in week 10. Oh, my gosh. That was incredible. The game of the season was week two, the Dolphins 42 and the Ravens 38. So they said awards that should exist. Zach Martin does win the offensive lineman of the year. Free agent signing of the year. Okay, I'm worried about this one. I this, don't is, kn- this isn't a real award, but he says this should be. I'm worried about this one. I don't know who it'll be, but I remember when we talked about like how the Eagles got so good. They had three of the top four additions. So, is it? It is an Eagle. Who is it? James Bradbury of okay. the Eagles. He's been really good this year. So uh, he ended up. Oh well, there's a whole bunch of names they give, but he signed a contract. Uh, <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year. You signed a contract, Corey. Chris right. Jones. I think I know. Micah Parsons or Nick Bosa. It's Nick Bosa. I have terrible news. Is the report was that they took Defensive Player of the Year betting odds off the board because it was statistically impossible yeah. in their determination that Nick Bosa wouldn't win. Yeah, I saw that. You are correct. How big of a? I I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to derail your segment too much, Mike. But I am curious. Like, how big of a letdown is that, that Micah went from not only being the defensive player of the year, but I mean, like, an emphatic leader 
for Defensive Player of the Year, and he's dropped so much, even though he's still second. It's the gap has gotten so wide that you can't even bet on it anymore. Well, I don't. I don't want to use the word disappointment because I think there was a big learning experience for Micah Parsons, the player, and the defensive staff. Now, hopefully, Dan Camp, not Dan Campbell, Dan Quinn is back next year. But they, I think they learned that his body is not big enough to play defensive end this much. Yeah. So they either have to ask him, you need to put on 15 pounds in the offseason because we're going to now play you at defensive end the rest of your life. Or we have to go more of a split we did in his rookie year if we're going to want him to stay the same size and be a similar player. Not that he had a bad end of the season, but he talked about my body's breaking down. He told Von Miller that like this, my body hurts a lot more this year than my rookie year because of playing defensive end so much. So I, I do think there is, he was still a great player. He's going to finish second. That's great. And now we just have to go into the offseason going, do we want Micah Parsons to be a defensive end? If so, yeah. he has to change his body. Uh, if we want him to be the hybrid player that he was more of his rookie year, then we say, hey, stay the same size. It's up to us to put you in situations where you're when you're on the defensive line as a defensive end, we're only going to do that 35 to 45 percent of the snaps you play. I, th- that'll be an interesting thing on what the Cowboys do in the offseason with Micah Parsons. Offensive player of the year. Your candidates are Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Obviously, they try to give this to a non-quarterback. Yeah, so basically the non-quarterback of the year. Yes. Jefferson, right? Yeah, I would say Jefferson. He had a phenomenal season, man. And the last two games aside, he had a really, really good year. I think what helped him here is, and this is according to Bill Barnwell, is that Tyreek Hill, his quarterback situation, kind of dropped off too. So Justin Jefferson ends up winning his offensive uh, player of the year, even though he had at the midway point, he did have Tyreek Hill as the offensive player of the year. But obviously, slow-mo Glitzstein playing uh-huh. quarterback yesterday didn't help out and Neither did Tyrod Taylor. Or Skywalker. And my last one. You mean Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, Teddy B. Okay. Most valuable player of the year. Your candidates are Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, who will never be on this list again, and Patrick (laughs) Mahomes are your three candidates. Ask Lamar Jackson if he gets on the list. He keeps doing the same thing. They're like, no, not good enough. So Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, who is your MVP of the NFL? I mean, I think it's easily the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wow. Is he, he not, is. not wow to your answer? I, because I agree with that. Yeah, three of them were drafted in 2020. Oh, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah, he is the oldest quarterback. Two of them the- were drafted in 2018. <laughs> what a relic. And how old is he? 27, I think. Good night. AFC is a weird. Yeah, bro. he is 27. Wow. I also think it's going to be Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. That's bananas. Sorry. That's really tripping me out. I don't think I've heard anybody do, say that's bananas in a long time. And I've really appreciated it. Yeah. <laughs> they I do say person. now, as Golly, the season has ended, at least Bill Barnwell says, this is a pretty comfortable MVP pick. Like, he's not worried about being wrong on this one. Is that this one will be pretty consensus that he gets. Most of, if not all of, the first place votes, and that Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow will split the second place votes. And and he thinks that Jalen Hurts will finish second, but he thinks that Patrick Mahomes wins this pretty easily with his second MVP award in his five seasons as being in the NFL. I mean, he has six years, but he played one game. I do kind of wonder if, let's say Jamar Chase is healthy all season, 
and offensive line better protection earlier in the year for Joe Burrow. Yeah. If that's a little bit different, uh, you, you know, because I, I think Joe's kind of right in that category now where look, I win big games. I can, I'm I know how to quarterback. And when he Mike, when he said the window, I think he really believes that as long as he's playing, the window's open for Cincinnati, which is, is, I mean, a valid way to approach it. A lot of things will be determined come playoff time on how we really rank quarterbacks. Like yeah. it or not, that's when we start really going, he's better than him. But uh, I do think Joe Burrow has now become the second best quarterback in the NFL ahead of Josh Allen. I would be inclined to agree with that with the caveat, like you pointed out, that it could flip. It could. Instantaneously. Obviously, you go to the divisional round and Josh Allen throws for four touchdowns and Burrow throws for two touchdowns and Buffalo wins, then a lot of people will say, well, obviously Josh Allen's better. They just played each other in the playoffs. Now, when we're talking about quarterbacks, who has the better quarterback tonight? Is it the boringly fancily named Stetson Bennett? Stetson or, Fleming Bennett the fourth. Or that what? I don't know if that's true, that but that sounds right. Correct. Okay, but even if it wasn't, that sounds right. Is or Hacksaw Max Duggan, or you can go with Maxaw Duggan if you want, because the betters have a clear preference. Mad Max Duggan. Ooh, I like that too. Mad Max Duggan, five and a half to one on your money to win MVP tonight. Stetson Bennett, less than even money. Which what does that mean? Uh, well, it obviously means they have built in a That's Georgia Bernie victory Gosar. because <laughs> <laughs> because Kenny McIntosh is second on the list. So another Georgia player. So the top two MVPs come from Georgia, which is a heavy implication, if the point spread wasn't enough to tell you this, that folks around Vegas are counting on a Georgia victory tonight. Man, that is... Uh, yeah, and Mike, we've kind of been discussing that all morning is where we kind of land on this thing together. I think Maxaw is one of those guys, though, that like you root for, Kevin. Oh, for and that's, sure. Like, that's why I'd, I would just happily put my money on it because this is the way like he goes through the game. It's just, you know, it's gritty. And, I, you know, everybody wants to use that word about a player. Like he has this grit that goes along with Isn't not the, the dance, stars, dude, not the dance. Uh, but no, that's the is it no, that's the Philadelphia <laughs> that's the, Flyers. Yeah. Uh, but like that's the you want to root for a guy. Plus, we got that Texas thing going tonight. So I don't know what Vegas is saying, but I think you've hit on something that happens in the collectible world as well. Is like my son collects Jimmy Butler, loves Jimmy Butler, loves Bulls cards. Are those likely to take over the world and explode in value? Probably not, but he collects. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to just drop a bet on. Max Duggan is absolutely a viable candidate to win MVP tonight. I would be shocked if he doesn't win MVP if TCU pulls off the upset. exactly. Obviously, you'd have the wide receiver situation who's going to be a top 10 pick, but usually they give it to the quarterback who threw to the wide receiver. Yeah, and so I I, I think— Is the running back healthy? Uh, they said he's a game time decision and he's 50 50. So, I mean, I have a- not seen an update today. I'm going to go check on that. But yeah, Quentin Johnston, excuse me, Johnston is the next favorite for TCU. But to your point, I don't think it's a bad strategy to drop 
a smaller amount of money on somebody that you really appreciate. And you're like, when he wins, you're like, yeah, I believed in him so much so that I made $110 yeah. or $55. Don't or worry what? about that $65 that I lost in the game. You know, sure. It's all about the money that I made on that player. Holland's listening right now, and I'm trying to figure out. The whole he, country? He, Derek Holland. Oh. Yeah, probably, yeah, the I whole Holland Instagram. country. And just... The thing is, are you going to ask him if he's rooting for? I think or he's rooting for TCU, TCU? but I okay. just want his money, so I'm just wanting him to make a bet on this. He's asking oh. me who do I like or want. I will tell you this: the spreads thirteen. I'm worried about this being a blowout. I hope it's not. I want TCU to win. I'll be rooting just as hard as everybody else. I guess maybe not, because if you went to TCU or whatever, you'll be rooting harder. But what? I want TCU to win this game, but I am worried that this game could get out of hand. There are a couple of positive factors at play with that in mind in terms of the game getting out of hand. It's true that Georgia's 14-0. They've been number one for most of the year. They are 7-7 seven and seven against the spread. TCU, meanwhile, 10-3-1 against the spread. And don't forget, this is a Georgia team that got outplayed against Ohio State. Like, I know they won, but there was a crazy series of events towards the end of that game that led to their victory. They look like the worst team against Ohio State. Or maybe C.J. Yeah. Stroud was just having the greatest game of his life at the perfect time for the draft. Either way, I am I, optimistic that good. this game will be competitive. I'm looking at Georgia's schedule slash wins. And I know September and October really don't mean much. At Missouri, they won 26-22. to 22. That was within 14 points. They beat Tennessee 27 to 13. So that was a 14 point win. And they beat Kentucky 16 to 6. Those are their only games that they wouldn't have covered a 14, 14 point, point spread. spread. Yeah. Or sorry, a 13 point spread. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, they yeah. would cover a four because they beat Tennessee by 14. So that would cover tonight's spread. So only twice did they win by less than 14 points. And to, I mean, the, the game against Tennessee, Kevin. That was one that was frustrating because Tennessee's quarterback was holding on to the ball. And I was like, you're not playing the same game you were playing against Alabama. Right. And so I felt really frustrated by that one. But that just shows what Georgia is as a team. I Do I think that Max Saw's going out there doing that tonight? Heck no, I don't. I think he's going out there and he's going to let it fly, baby. I think Last he's gonna, game. I think he's going to be real, like really in that zone of I, I've been waiting for this moment. Here I am for it. I think he's, I think this team's ready for a rival. And Corey, worth, worth noting is like when you're talking about how Tennessee was not able to play that same game, Tennessee absolutely loved just like flying down the yes. field. Georgia was like, we will play man defense and shut that down, which does, <laughs> they did. which doesn't bode well for the prospects of TCU, like getting those big plays with Quentin Johnston. Now, of course, Quentin Johnston is a monster and maybe he still gets those, but yeah. Derek is taking TCU plus 13. Okay, so, so you, that means I'm not really. But you're I, not betting $19,000, I will right? take the loss, 18000 Oh, my but God, that's too much. Since Derek is down, um, it looks like $300 to me. I just said you want it for 50 bucks. But okay. Know. Now, I have some, believe it or not, I have some positive stats for y'all from the Cowboys game yesterday. I need, I need Derek to bankroll my bets, Kevin. Ooh, <laughs> because he doesn't care oh. about $300. You're He's going like, hard no on problem. Friday? 
No, please uh, don't. I don't think this is going to happen, but I already told Jess I'm having nightmares of you going double or nothing. Because when you ask how did it get to 300, it's because Corey's like, I'm going double or nothing like two or three weeks in a row. And I started running those numbers and I was like, please don't mm-hmm. do that. Is Are you interested in positive Cowboys stats today or are you like, no, today is a day to be angry and talk about how the Cowboys played like garbage in the first game and the last game to bookend what was a good season. Corey, can I start off because I'm going to be positive, Mike, here? Absolutely, man. Ultimately, that game didn't matter. It's true. I, I, and, I, and I know it did, but it didn't. Because if you would have won, it still wouldn't have changed the outcome of where you're playing Monday night. Was there any part of you that was watching that New York Giants onside kick? And, like, by this I point, didn't. okay, because the Giants made a feverish pushback, and they made an onside kick. I was like, by this point, clearly the Cowboys are getting it handed to them right. all day. I was like, oh, my God, if they get this and they score a touchdown, I'm going to be, like, infinitely more pissed. And then you played horrible, which I think is the greatest motivation. Uh, I think especially to professional athletes. And and sometimes I think uh, maybe, you know, Stephen and Jerry don't get it because they never played pro sports. And I know that they both played college sports at a very high level at a Division One school. But I think the biggest motivation for professional athletes is that, at times is either embarrassment or everybody saying you can't. Okay. Like, like for the for the most part tonight, we're just talking about TCU. For the most part, everybody believes that they can't. They can't win it. Can and they Sonny keep it? Dykes brought that up right, right after the semifinal game. So sometimes the greatest motivation is you can't. I'll show you because most professional athletes have gotten to the point where they have shown a lot of people. They have beaten the odds. And then with getting embarrassed, there's no way they're coming into the star today going, well, at least I played. Like everybody's coming in going, that was an embarrassment. I was embarrassed by that. We were embarrassed by that. And we have to do everything possible to be ready. They can't be coming in smiling and happy. They're not. And so I think that in a weird way, it was much better to get embarrassed than to pull off a, a another game where we're like, well, they won, but God, they didn't play great. That is another part too, like knowing your team well enough to know whether they need that. You know, if they're yeah. if they're the kind of team that like they perform better after moments like that, after having that, and they sit with it all week, and they got to chew on that, is that something that they can that that really drives them and motivates them? Because everybody in this room is motivated differently, right? Like sure. we discuss that all the time. Yeah. So you got to figure out what your team, what does drive your team, and then maybe you do let them walk into that kind of situation, and then say the next week, all right, then y'all prove me wrong. But it it does have. We'll find out if Mike McCarthy has his finger on the pulse of this team or not. And that that's a big decider on yeah. what I'll talk about in the C block, too, for sure. Okay, and I know people brought up they haven't lost back-to-back games all year, which is positive. A couple more positive notes for you. And I do want to throw out some positivity about the Stars. Is after a touchdown reception yesterday, CeeDee Lamb has nine touchdowns for the regular season in 2022. That is the most by Dallas Cowboys player in eight years. Since 2014, when Des Bryant had 16 touchdowns. Where's 88? Oh, yeah. So that's the key. Now Just put 88 on all of them. They'll be great. And we'll figure it out. And then this might be the more important. It kind of looks like it. If you wear 85, it looks like an 8. If you wear 9, it looks like an 8. If you wear 6, it looks like an 8. They just have fat numbers that all go together. It's not easy to tell uh, their numbers apart, the Cowboys, when it becomes... What is it? It's eight, 
six and nine all look like the same number on their jerseys. They're fat numbers. I actually, that kind of makes sense to me, but this is probably the more important stat. And I'm not sure if Steven saw my point when I asked him the question, because he brought up, you don't want to dwell too much on one game. Right. And he said, I think I saw a stat where in the last eight games, we're averaging the most points per game in support of the offense. So my question to him or my counterpoint to him was, how many of those points have come directly or mostly directly via the defense, whether it's getting a shortened field or scoring yourself or whatever else, because there's a pretty good chunk in there that I think would make the numbers look a little bit different. But the Dallas defense recorded an interception yesterday, 33 takeaways for the season. That is the most in the NFL. And I told you last week this could happen. They are now the first team to lead the league in take takeaways in back-to-back seasons since the Pittsburgh Steelers did it from 72 to 74. So it's been almost 50 years Dynasty. since a team led the league in forced turnovers in back-to-back years, yet the Cowboys accomplished that. And I think that's a huge deal, and I think that's going to be something you're going to have to do in the playoffs. You think that you can trust that it's going to happen in the playoffs? You know, like it, it, it has been Tom significant will, this season. Tom will throw up some jump balls yeah. on you. So I, I do think at least in the first game, Tom Brady will give you the opportunity to intercept a ball or two down the field, especially because I think he's going to have the confidence, whether it's, I think, more Evans than Godwin on jump balls. But oh, yeah. I think he is going to throw some jump balls that, not against Diggs. He won't do it again. He, he's smart enough to go, where's where's 25, where's 37, and whoever, you know, if Kelvin Joseph unfortunately gets on the field, we're probably completely and totally screwed. <laughs> but, like, mm-hmm. if if they're on the field, which one of them has to be at all times, I think he is going to throw some jump balls that way. Now, whether it's a safety that comes over and intercepts the ball or you get one, I think you can get one. Unfortunately, I do think Dak's throwing an interception in the playoffs. Like, and that first Monday night, Dak's throwing an interception. He just does. Yeah. It's, it's what he does. He's now proven that's, that that's what he does. It's like saying Joey Gallo's not going to strike out today. Like, we know he's going to strike out. We're just hoping it's only one time and not three. Now, we're going to move away from football for just one second. We're going to start with a bad and work our way up to the good. Let's go ahead and fire off cut number 33. Shea got seven in a row, going to work on Bullock, good defensive player. Bullock pressuring him outside. Shea gets to his spot, leans in for it, and he's going to get the bounce to close out the quarter. Now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander scores 33 points as the Thunder defeat the Luka-less Dallas Mavericks 120-109. I got to know, you said you dipped out of the Cowboys at one point when it was clear they weren't putting forth their best, best effort. How invested were you in this game, and what did you think about the play of Christian Wood? Watched most of it. Christian Wood was uh, good. 27 and 17. I would, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, you'd want more, but it's very tough to ask for more. Uh, but but he had a nice game. Remember, he has to work off of his teammates. You can't just give him the ball and say, go to work, big man. Like, And when so, Luca's not out there, that becomes right, exponentially it, more difficult. And he had a very good game, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, the defense was completely and totally pathetic. Once again, rebounding is a major issue for the Mavs. Even when they had Wood and Powell, and I know Bertans is not a rebounder at all, but he is a six foot ten guy. Yeah. Like they had three guys that are pretty much six foot ten on the court and they still couldn't get a rebound to save their lives. To your point about that, think about how wild this is. The Christian Wood led everybody with 17 rebounds. Nobody 
for Oklahoma City had double digits and they still out rebounded the Mavs by five. But, but <laughs> like that I, just shows you. I mean, looking at the positives, I thought for sure you're going to like if when Luca doesn't play, I'm just count, automatic loss. Sure, I don't I care it. who you play, and I do think Oklahoma City. This is the last year they don't make the playoffs. Okay. I think that they're going to make the top 10 next year. When I say playoffs, I mean that they'll make at least the play-in next year. I think that is a team coming up pretty darn quickly. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's interesting watching the Mavs right now because the last few games, the, including the blowout to Boston, Jaden Hardy's looking like he can contribute 12 to 15 minutes a night. I'm not Hardy expecting Party has been trending yeah. on Twitter. I I'm know. not expecting a point a minute the way it, it kind of went his first two games out there. And, and last night there were moments where you see the rookie moments where he's out of control, turns the ball over. I, I get it. Like we saw it from Devin Harris, too, when Devin Harris was a young guy on a good team. Like, you're going to have to live with some of those mistakes to keep improving him. And I just don't know when Dorian Smith and Josh Green get healthy, and I'm expecting it at some point in this month they both play. I just wonder, this is Jaden Hardy's real opportunity in the next week or so before Josh Smith comes back and then probably afterwards Dorian Finney-Smith. Josh Green. I'm sorry, who did I say? Josh Smith. Josh Green, sorry. Uh, That this is his opportunity to show I really deserve six to ten minutes in the first half and somewhere between three and seven minutes in the second half. Now, in other positive news, our guy, Jason Robertson, put work in yesterday. He had two goals as the Stars crushed the Panthers 5-1. to one. I was worried about this for a couple times. We have a, bad, a couple reasons. We have a bad track record of Stars players or the team in general hitting the skids once we talk about them. So once we started our MVP candidacy for Jason Robertson, I was worried because when we started the Vesna candidacy for Jake Ottinger, he got hurt within like that same 72-hour window. Jason Robertson, two goals yesterday in the 5-1 victory. He is now on pace for 56 goals for the season, which would be the most in a single season in Dallas Stars history. Now, it'd only be the most by one, Take so it's still close. I, I don't even believe it's Mike Madonna who has the lead. I th- Take that, Sean Avery. It's not. It's definitely Take that, not Jason Arnott. Sean Avery. I, Take that, Klinger. I don't. I, it's, Take that, Zubov. No, Number three. None of those are the correct answer. And Take Sean that, Avery is the Andy most. The he was a goaltender. Sean Avery is the most incorrect until he said Andy Moog. Now, as the goaltender, that is the new most incorrect answer. I think there are only, I might be wrong about this, two teams in hockey that have more, more goals. goals scored than, yeah. the, than the Stars. Which is in accurate. One of them is the Sabres, and they're not, they're not hot, you know, but they're, you know. They've scored a lot of goals. And, and by the way, and check Buffalo out. Their offense is insane because they've played fewer games than quite a few teams. I, but the Stars have the fifth most points in the league. And to Corey's point, they're really high up there in the goal scored as well. Since I played in Buffalo in 2000 and 2001, the way we cover the Dallas Cowboys is the way they cover the Sabres. Really? I could so that. when you turn on Sports Talk Radio and it's springtime. Lots like, of you knows. I mean, yeah. But literally, <laughs> you get there in April because it's getting close to playoff time and then playoff time. And at that point, the Sabres were great. Remember, 2000, 2001, was it 99 you beat the Sabres? In the, Correct. So they're a very good team. I mean, if you turned on and you listened to three straight hours of Buffalo Sports Talk Radio, two of the three hours was dedicated to Sabres. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105 Through the Fan. Don't worry, we will get back into TCU coming up in just a little bit. But coming up next, it's time for the C-Block starring Corey Majors. My biggest concerns 
and also the reason I don't want a coaching change. Oh, next.